Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. there and welcome into episode 10 season three of i'm not targeting you're targeting i'm half of your host team jt along with tom sims tom let us know you're out there aloha what's up guys aloha means goodbye and or hello in hawaiian culture very nice fun fact there so i guess we know what happened this is the this is the podcast after the alabama Ole miss game and after the the lsu auburn game so about when it was obvious we're going to win, I text Tom one text and one text only. I said, um, <laughs> please work in popcorn in the, the title this weekend. And see, Tom was at the game, correct? I was, yes. So you, like, people at the game, didn't they didn't know what was going on. And uh, you know, I kind of explained it to him as best I could. So uh, the title for this podcast is Popcorn in T-Town. I, I love it. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to spoil anything else that we may have up our sleeves here. So Tom's got the commentary. Then, of course, we'll recap the Bama Ole Miss, uh, LSU-Auburn, get into the games of the week, talk about our my, – my – not going to speak for Tom here – talk about my stellar betting record uh, on the podcast this, this year, which is just abysmal. We'll talk about why that is or why I think it is and how we're going to try to turn it around. So, Tom, take it off with the commentary. All right, yeah, uh, <clears throat> I did not know about that video until you sh- or, or that uh, interview until you told me, and I went back and looked at it again, and <laughs> coincidentally, that was only the second most popular video of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, s- sorry, Shelly Meyer. <laughs> No, but you're right. I, I went to the game. It was the first game I've been to this year. Uh, first game I've been to in uh, two years since I didn't attend any last year during the pandemic. But um, I got to thinking about it when I was there. And then, of course, uh, further as I got home and was preparing for this podcast, I was like, there are a lot of improvements you could make for the game-watching experience. There's too much money flowing into a program like Alabama not to have just the ultimate fan experience. Uh, one thing they've done well at at Tuscaloosa over the years, and I think this is pretty much true of everyone now, I think Alabama was one of the first people to do it or first, uh, first universities to do it, but they dedicated all that uh, property out there on the quad for for tailgating and set up tents and it used to be just a mishmash man you just come out there with a blanket and a cooler and just sit down anywhere and, and that was your spot you know yeah uh and, and so back in they the got, good old 
for the young people, that's what we call the good old days. That's right. They've got a lot more organized with that now, but it's it's fun, you know. They've they've made it where because it's organized, the 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 tailgating folks bring in the tents, of course, but they also set up all your chairs for you. They set up TVs and hook them to satellite <laughs> connections and, and bring in coolers and food and tables. And I mean, it makes it easy. And so I, I, I props for that. But from the stadium perspective itself, just from actually being inside the stadium for the game, I think there's a lot of things that would make an ultimate viewing experience or or in-person experience for game watching. First and foremost, you got to have better seats. Dude, I, my back hurt. <laughs> and again, this is probably a product of the good old days because I'm just old, but my my back hurt for hours after that game. I mean, it's just it's just uncomfortable. I would sacrifice and and I think a lot of the things that I was just going to point out here is going to take a sacrifice in a an existing stadium and or just scrap it and start over from scratch. But one of the things you're going to sacrifice is seats. You're, you're going to have to you're going to have to provide less seats to accommodate more luxuries, and I'm fine with that. Yes. You know, I would be great for <clears throat> wider seats, seats that actually lean back. Uh, hey, throw a cushion on there. There's a novel idea. Something just just to be comfortable while you're sitting there. I think we're to the age where it's not going to be too much further either, where you're likely going to have your own little TV in the front of the seat in front of you. I know that's going to be a, a weather-dependent situation, but we're, we're smart enough to do that now. Uh, if you could put those little TVs and airplane headrests, by gosh, you could do it at the stadium. It doesn't have to be everywhere, but I mean that would be a that would be a a pretty good convenience for certain seating. Uh, coincidentally, after the game, and I'll, I'm gonna, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but but after I went to the game on Saturday. I didn't realize that that uh, Talladega was on Sunday, so I was in Talladega on Sunday with a uh, gaggle of folks. And, you know, Talladega has it stuffed together out there pretty good, too. You go there, you don't pay for parking. You pull up just as close as you can to the stadium. Obviously, that takes a, a, a land purchase, but... You pull right up to the stadium, no pay for parking. They let you bring your own cooler in the stadium. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> they're, they're inviting you to have a good time. Uh, I don't know why the bathrooms at the University of Alabama Bryant-Denny Stadium are not touchless. I'm in there flushing toilets and turning knobs on sinks. <laughs> I mean, seriously, we, we make... A top three income in college football, which is massive, and I got to turn my own faucet. That's ridiculous. First world uh, problems. It is really, but still, it's 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 nasty. It's uh, I, I don't know. It just is germy. Um, you know, here here's something they could do right now. Why not play other games on the jumbotron before the game? 
and during halftime. And even as long as an hour or two after game, you could let the crowd clear out and you can sit there and watch a little extra bonus ball up there on the screen or something just to, you know, have have a little easier time getting in and out of the stadium. I mean, if you show up an hour and a half early, great. Play some games up there. Have, have something interesting to do while you're in there instead of just sitting there looking at your phone. As far as that's concerned, put a sports bar in there. Put four in there. Put one on each side of the stadium. Invite people to come in two or three, four hours early to hang out. You know, I mean, that. I would, I would work really hard to make most every seat in the stadium almost similar to the zone experience there. You know, you, you, you've got a designated seat in the stadium. That's where you sit. But when you go out into the uh, concession area or whatnot, all of a sudden, hey, you're in a you're in an air-conditioned place that has a kiosk with food or, or whatever, drinks, TVs, a place to get out of the sun when you need You could do that everywhere. It doesn't have to be a special. Now, again, this is, this is going to take some some money to, to modify a stadium, but I don't know why we're not moving in that direction because somebody's going to do it for the first time and then you're going to get left behind. And we got the money to do it. I don't know why we don't we don't do that, uh, or at least have have some plans in the works to do that. At least I don't. I'm not on the committee. If we do, <laughs> you do, you didn't get the memo. No, I did not. <laughs> well, I, what you're saying is I, what I what I've got written down on my paper after you started talking. I saw the direction you're going in. I've got some confidential information but i guess i'll share it since we don't have a whole lot of listeners because i am on that committee tom oh sorry <laughs> no it's it, but I, I i like what you said and i agree because and i think i do think wi-fi i only went to one game last year and that was the uh, the notre dame playoff game and which is a great if you're like me i don't really like to go to games and it's so funny when you wanted to go to games you had nosebleeds and now that we now that we've, uh, when I say we specifically, Tom is at a higher income level. So Tom calls me, I guess, Tuesday or Wednesday. He's like, hey, man, you want to come down? I thought he meant come down to his 5,278 square foot home and watch games in his man cave. And I was down with that. <laughs> he's like, nah, we, we, I got tickets to the game if you want to go. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm out because I, I just enjoy watching college football too much. And he said, I don't even, I, he said, I don't know where the tickets are. They're not in a luxury box because Tom has sat in the luxury box from time to time. He said, but they're probably on the 50 yard line. <laughs> now it was still a no for me. But you, I, so I do think cell phone service has gotten better, correct? It, it has, but not, not where it should be. I mean, it was terrible, you know, 10, 12 years ago. You, just, you couldn't get a text out. When you went in there, you were dead. You were dead electronically. And, you know, some of us need to get bets in so we can load our bookies' <laughs> pockets with money and put chips in his purse. But anyway, I have said this: you're gonna you're gonna struggle here. We're we're late forties, and sometimes we're reluctant to go to the game based on what you just talked about: the TVs, the cell service, the access to food, access to clean bathrooms. Imagine trying to get kids these days that are teenagers that are in their 20s. You know, Saban's all the time getting on the student section for leaving early. But think of the young professionals that are 23, fresh out of college, 23 to 35, 
where they have grown up, they've they've always had basically they don't remember a time without Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you're asking them to come to a game to forego and two thirty is the absolute worst kickoff time if you like to watch college football. It used to be the best in my opinion, but now like living in Red Bay, I want eleven o'clock. I want the eleven o'clock kickoff if I'm gonna go to the game because I'm two hours away. I'll leave at seven thirty, eight o'clock, I'll get there at nine thirty to ten. I'll go in the stadium, and if we're ahead in the middle, you know, start of the fourth quarter, I'll start making an exit plan, <clears throat> and I'll get to my car by 2 o'clock, and then I'm home by 4. I'll beat the traffic. I'm home by 4. I'm home in time to watch ha- the second half of the 2.30 game, then all the night action. Mm-hmm. So you've got to come up with a way to get fans in, and I, I like what you said. I've, I've always said this for a few years now. I think you're going to have to have – I don't know about a screen for every individual seat, but you're going to have to somehow rig up. I think you are anyway. You're going to have to rig up some way that like every little section, say a section of 250 seats, they have a TV that they can see and watch and keep up with another game. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned about showing on the Jumbotron. Mississippi State does that a good bit. They'll, they'll uh, You can get in the stadium early there and like you can catch. So if State is the 6 o'clock game, and the, you can catch the 2.30 game, the better part of it, on I don't know what time they start, but, like, they will not – they'll keep – if it's a good competitive game, they'll keep it up there till probably, like, 5.30, you know, 5.40 before they right. switch to the, the just on-field cameras and things like that. So, and tailgating, you kind of like it. And, yeah, you like it because you have connections that – of people that have these tents, these super tents that have – three or four different TVs and unlimited alcohol. Like, I don't really know any of those people. And back in the day, kids, they used to just pull your car up. If you're going, if you're leaving the stadium, going up university towards Arby's, the right side where Moore Hall is and the president's mansion, it was just first come, first serve as far as pull your vehicle up. I remember there used to be some trucks. They would set up a stage and have a band there. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but in 19 – let me explain not tailgating in 1994. I just picked a random year when you and I were in college there. You went to the – we never tailgated. We tailgated in Bent Tree 115 if we tailgated at all because we didn't go to a lot of games. I went to a few and – but you would have on the quad, there'd be one guy who was just like a techno wizard. And he would he would drag out a box set TV because we didn't have flat panels. He'd get like a 25-inch box set and carry it out there, a car battery and a direct TV dish. And he would he knew how to set the dish up. He'd hook it to the car battery. And like that was the place to, to be because he had he had one football game on. And yep. now you know, now if you don't have at least two TVs, I mean, you're you're small timing. Oh yeah. Oh, here, one thing I forgot to mention, and that this would be something sweet too to keep people's interest. You know, right now they have I don't know how many boxes they have. They have a a smattering of luxury boxes on both sides of the stadium. Really, all the way around now, 360, I think they call them the zones and the end zones, but the true luxury boxes on the east and west sides of the stadium. Mm-hmm. All right, how how about taking, I don't know, four of those luxury boxes and chopping them up into mini luxury boxes? And a luxury box up there seats about 20, which is great. If you can afford $100,000 a year. <laughs> plus tickets. Plus tickets. <laughs> plus your donation to Tide Pride just to be able to 
you know, purchase the hundred thousand. Anyway, it's a, it's an expensive proposition. But if you chop them up into say four seat mini boxes that have almost the luxuries of everything else, just a smaller experience, and you create you know twenty of these, thirty of them, whatever it is, you could do you could do a lotto for your uh, ticket holders every year. Hey, this year, guess what? We got one of the boxes or whatever. To, you, you know, and 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 give them something. To look forward to. Don't charge them an arm and a leg for that opportunity. Just hey, this is your lucky year. It's uh, here. Here's you a, a four seat mini box. I that would be awesome to do just for the fans who are not dropping a hundred thousand dollars a year up there, because there's there's way more of those guys than there are the us us Joes. So yeah, absolutely. Anyway. All right. Well, we have gone way over short for time, Tom. Already I said that on a few podcasts. Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to recap. We'll recap Bama Ole Miss and then Auburn LSU. So you had the commentary. Let me go first on Bama and Ole Miss. Uh, my first bullet point says get your popcorn ready. Now, Lane did say – he did apologize for that. Said I, It's some lame excuse. He That was calculated in my opinion. If they torch us like he thought they had a chance to, I mean, that's, that's going to be <laughs> – that's going to lead every sports center, every sports show – on the, on the headset toss. So, uh, you know, as, as you know, we both, and I, I told Tom, I re-listened to our podcast last week, and, man, we were both right on it on Bama Ole Miss. Tom said 47-21, and then I said either 45-28 to or 48-28 to because I felt like we would cover the 14-and-a-half, and we did rather easily. And I tell you what, though, it was nerve-wracking coming out. I'm sure it was in the stadium. I mean, you hold, you hold them to – Third down, and you hold them, and then fourth and two, fourth and three, they go for it, they get it. Hold them again on third down, they go for fourth again and get it. I'm like, we can't stop them. You know, how are we going? How are we going? This is going to be all day. How are we going to stop them? And then on fourth and two from the sixth, clutch, man, we stopped them because if they get that, they're gonna, that means if they get fourth and two from the sixth, they're going to be first and goal from the four or closer. And that, I mean, they're going to score a touchdown on us to, and be up on a seven nothing. But we stopped them. And drove down, scored a touchdown, really set the tone. The next series, they went forward on fourth down. I thought, well, I, and then here's the thing with Kiffin. I thought the first four trials on fourth down were the absolute correct call. I mean, the first two he got, the second one, was, or the third one, I'm sorry, the, the first one that he missed was on the six-yard line. You're not going to beat Alabama. If you're Ole Miss, now if you're Georgia, you kick that field goal. If you're Ohio State, you kick that field goal because you have the horses to hang with us offensively and defensively, but Ole Miss does not. And so going for it was the correct call. The fourth, fourth down he went for, uh, around midfield, maybe, I, I think he was on our side of the field again. That was a correct call. The fifth one, however, where he was on his own 31, that was terrible. Like, you're just, you're at that point, you're telling your team, we can't win if we have to ever punt. And we make it 21 nothing. ultimately 28 nothing before they score, then we push it to 35-7. to And I was real happy to see – our rushing attack versus passing attack. You know, we we ran the ball a lot more. It's like old school Gene Stallings. We still hit some passes. I mean, uh, Bryce had two touchdown passes and hit some receivers that, you know, didn't go for touchdowns that were very impressive passes. But it was nice to see us just smash, a little bit of smash mouth football, uh, which we hadn't seen a lot. Lost Lost another running back, you know, lost another player, Chase, or Jace McClellan, I'm sorry, is out for the year, I guess, ACL. I mean, just need something in his knee. It's just 
Yeah. I don't know. You know, we lose a linebacker game one. We lose who I felt like it was our best running back. Sorry, McMillan. <laughs> but we lose him. But, you know, it's next man up. We'll, we're going to be okay. Uh, B-Rob ran really well, and I'm getting props to him. I'm happy for him. He, is, he stayed. He paid his dues. He could have easily left and gone to some lesser school and, and started last year, probably started two years ago. And uh, But that's kind of really all I have. I mean, we all watched the game. Well, you know, the one – the best pass of the day was third and 19 on their first drive. And um, they throw that back shoulder and dude one-hands it and gets his feet in oh, yeah, for that, Ole Miss. That was impressive. Unreal, man. <laughs> that I was mean, impressive. Yeah. So, uh, but the last thing – the last bullet point I have is just kind of a question. Is is the Heisman Bryce's to lose? That's something we can think about. Yeah, maybe a little too early to do that. But uh, I, I, I disagree with you a little bit on that first drive because before we stopped them on that fourth down, I was sitting with, you know, Doc and then a, a, yeah. another guy named Oz that I was sitting there with, and, and they were down there, and it was before they actually went for it. I was like, guys, I don't feel terrible about this drive. It sucks that they went all the way down the field, but they've worked for every yard. They mm-hmm. didn't bust any, except for that one long third down, like you're saying. But it was, if you're going to have to convert multiple fourth downs, that means you're getting stopped multiple third downs. That means yeah. you're not getting chunk yardage. And they didn't get chunk yardage on that drive. They were they were getting four and five yards. And just, I was like, they can't do that. Whole, you cannot cue your Mississippi State guys because I'll get into that later with them against A&M last week but uh, you you cannot get into a game particularly against a good solid defense and and solid team all the way around where you have to be perfect all the way through. You've got to be able to pick up yardage in chunks and score on some explosive plays and they just weren't doing that. And that and that ended up being sort of the theme of the game. We we held them in check from big plays, which is huge. That you've got to do that against a team that wants to just go fast and and get upfield. And that's what they're. That's the only reason you go fast. You don't go fast so you can pick up three yards every time. You go fast trying to catch somebody out of position so you can get those chunk plays. So you can, you know, get a get a cornerback looking the wrong way or biting on the run, and all of a sudden you got somebody over the top. And we we did very very well in that in that department. Uh, we only give up 291 total yards to Ole Miss. Ole Miss was leading the country in offensive yards per game coming into that game, so that was pretty impressive. I thought uh, we only punted the ball once on Saturday. We had one interception in the end zone that that we were trying to score on there, and we give it up on downs once when we brought in that fullback play, which I, I I'm still kind of miffed about that. But uh, all our other drives resulted in TDs, no field goal opportunities. Uh, so we we moved the ball at will, even though Ole Miss was. And I, I agree, they, they're better this year defensively than they were last year. They're still not on that caliber, though. And I think you misspoke when you said they scored, make it 28-7. I think we got it to 35 to nothing before they scored. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, want to want to give give props where props are due. But, yeah, I, overall, solid, solid outing against what I think is still a, a pretty good old Miss team. So, you know, I do have them finished in second in the West, so that, that may be their only loss of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting on it. 
<laughs> All right, so let's look at Auburn LSU. You know, Bo Nix came alive. You know, he got he, – I don't know if you want to call it benched again. He got benched against Georgia State. I think bringing T.J. Finley in, they were. I rewatched some of that at lunch today. They were down 10 nothing. they brought in T.J. Finley. I felt like it was, hey, we're going to go with Finley at some point. Maybe it was third series, fourth series, fifth series. I don't really remember. What, but I know it was ten nothing Auburn or uh, LSU at the time, and Bo did cheer him on. I saw him from the sideline, but when he got in there, he got back in there, and you know everybody saw the touchdown pass. Fourth and ten, LSU had run him back at least fifteen yards off the line of scrimmage, and I'm like, just get him. Just all you do is tackle him. But the basically the game was gonna be over because it was thirteen to zero, and. LSU was going to have probably 50, 55, 60 yards, probably only about 40 yards for a field goal try, 55 to 60 for a touchdown. But, no, Nick just flings it into the Baton Rouge night and it lands in Auburn guys' hands. Touchdown, and after from that point on, it was downhill all the way for LSU. But, you know, that's Bo being Bo, and that's Auburn's best chance to win is to let Bo be Bo. And what what is Bo being Bo? That's just run around crazy. <laughs> and being an athlete, which is what he is. he's. A, listen, we've said it on this podcast. You let that kid get mad and you let him transfer to Alabama and let Saban put him at receiver, you can't tell me he cannot play as good as Slade Bolden or better with about a year under his belt. The dude is fast as lightning, quick as a hiccup. I mean, LSU couldn't get him down. And so that's Auburn's best chance to win. But can they just let him freelance like that is Harson? I know that's not really in your playbook because he's not Johnny Menzel. I mean, he's he's poor, maybe a poor man's Johnny Menzel. But Bo being Bo is the Auburn's best chance to win, and it's also Auburn's best chance to lose a quarterback because he's going to take some vicious hits doing what he did other night, taking all those chances. You know, T.J. Finley, like I said, played one or two series. Hey, great decision transferring to Auburn where the golden child – is a junior this year. However, it is a COVID junior. So he's got this year, he's got next year, and then if he so chooses, and if you know anything about Auburn and the family, he's going to opt in for that fifth year because he's going to put that record, all the records out of place, the touchdowns, the yards, the wins. He's going to put those out of reach. So <laughs> with an T.J. Finley, yeah, T.J. Finley is going to have be 25 years old and have one year to play. And <laughs> so, great job. You know, LSU, watching that game, thinking about, man, Butte, he might be the best receiver in the conference right now. The the kid from, was it Kayshawn, Kayvon, Butte? Right. Uh, man, he is good. But LSU is dangerous for about two to three drives. They can put it together. They can get on the same page. But that's it. And if you get to 24 points – against LSU, you're going to win because they cannot string together more than two or three drives. And sure enough, they land on 19 points, and that's where they stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said in the podcast, both teams, neither team is very good. And bottom line is somebody was going to come out Saturday night being 4-1 and one and ranked, and that team happened to be Auburn. But I've got both teams have losses coming this year, starting with this weekend. Not sure both of them don't lose. I'm pretty sure Auburn's going to lose. LSU travels to Kentucky. Kentucky's favored three, three and a half. I, if I had to bet it, I'd bet Kentucky, which we know what that means. Go against me. <laughs> but that's that's really all I have for Auburn LSU. You know, Bo Nix gets loose, gets hot. He is, uh, you know, tough to deal with. But can he sustain that drive after drive? I just don't see it. 
So I mentioned the, a couple of these items early on in this podcast, but Saturday, because I went to the game, I always make it a, a, a day-long event if I'm going to go to a game because I, I don't like to just go and drive back. It's, that's silly. you got to take in the experience. So I was at uh, another broken egg at 9.30 having mimosas with my breakfast, and then, like you said, tailgating on the quad with, uh, with my tent bros, and then watch the game, and then the game was over right around 6.30-ish, 7. So that's a pretty pretty good day already. And then I forgot that my Talladega buds like to start early. So I was up at 5 a.m. on Sunday, or knew I had to be up at 5 a.m. To, to get to the meeting spot by 5.50 in Birmingham. Goodness. So uh, long story short, I didn't watch all the Auburn game. <laughs> I was I was dead tired and maybe a little tipsy when I got home and uh, I turned it on and LSU was up thirteen to nothing. I think that was in the second quarter and I watched a few plays and I just kind of drifted off and I was out. And so I had we to call that passing out, Tom. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so I went and, and recapped everything after the fact, you know, and and I noticed LSU had a, a two scores lead twice in that game they were up 13 nothing and they were up 19 to 10 so in two different times they had a they had a cushion where it's always nice to be up two scores three scores is ideal even if it if that thir- third score is just a field goal if it's 17 mm-hmm. that 17 is such a sweet spot and they never got it there but um one thing that i thought was interesting here is that over the last 150 minutes of football that auburn has played They've led for a total of eight and a half minutes. They're two and one in those three wow. games. Eight and a yeah. half minutes. Uh, so, as a side note, neither Bama nor Georgia have trailed a second yet this year in, in, in any of their games. Not one second. So, there's a collision course coming there. I hope we'll see. But, yeah, I didn't have much more on that. It's uh, like you've already mentioned, I was going to rehash that, yeah, the, somebody was going to be 4-1, and one, but I think it's a short-lived 4-1 for, for for whoever it was going to be. It happened to be Auburn. And, uh, well, we're fixing to break that one down anyway, the Auburn-Georgia game. You want to start with that one or the Bama? Yeah, I will. Well, yeah, we'll start with Auburn-Georgia, then we'll go to Bama A&M uh, last to pull up, pull up the rear Anyway, last thing on the LSU-Auburn game. Uh, since the national title, Ed O'Geron, do you want to guess his record at LSU since the national title? Uh, so he's got one season. No, don't count it up. Well, don't I know. I'm up. just saying one season he's got a COVID five games. Season. So he's got a COVID he, – well, he, 15 games. So 15 games. That. Okay, that's that's what I'm just – that's what I was yeah. trying to So 15 games, his last 15. I'm going to say in his last 15 he is 8-7. and seven. You son of a gun. I knew I shouldn't have given you anything. Well, is he 8-7? and seven? <laughs> you, you nailed it. <laughs> so, you know, not the best of records coming off a national title. No, I've seen I better. Mean, Saban coming off the 9 national title did not – when did he lose his seventh game? We lost three in 2010. We lost one in 11 and one in 12. That's five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's an embarrassment of riches at Alabama. So let's go to Auburn, Georgia. I'm not really embarrassed at all. <laughs> Georgia, <laughs> let, let's let me start with this at the outset. 
Oh, because we, you kind of touched on something I wanted to talk about, about our defensive effort with Ole Miss. And as we know, Georgia shut Arkansas out 34, 37 to nothing, whatever. But let me ask you this. The, the answer on the surface is very easy, but then think about it for a second. Who had the better defensive showing on Saturday, Alabama or Georgia? You know, the uh, easy answer, absolutely easy answer is Georgia. They sure. allowed zero points. But we held Lane Kiffin to under 300 yards. We held him to 21 points. It's the lowest offensive output he's had as a head coach. And the last 14 were garbage points, by the way. Uh, the special, the last one. Oh, I was yeah, so mad, man. I, I mean, too. fourth and 10. Fourth and 10, you're going to have to pull out a pistol, kind of like uh, any given Sunday, and shoot somebody for me to call pass interference in the end zone. Mm-hmm. If, if When you're down 42 to 14. Yeah, it was really So, yeah, on the surface, Georgia is. But look, di- dive deeper into the numbers, man. Bama was very impressive defensively, but enough about that. Georgia, are they the best team in the country? That is – I'm going to tell you what, they would be number one if Clemson could have held up their end of the bargain. If Clemson was 4-1 and one right now and their average margin of victory was, you know, 31 and a half points after the Georgia loss, I fully think that Georgia would be number one. But they hadn't. I mean, that, that's been their downfall is, you know, usually it happens to Bama and it did this year. I mean, Miami's nothing. Luckily, would beat Florida. Then Florida goes and lays an egg at, at Kentucky. But it doesn't matter. We're proven Georgia is – Pretty much proven. We're not going anywhere. We're one two all year long. We can win the rest of our ball games by one point. We're not going to drop below two. Georgia can win the rest of their ball games by one point leading up to Atlanta. They're not going to drop below number two. So we're we're entrenched at those. Uh but let's look at the game. After watching Georgia on defense and Auburn on offense, I mean, ultimately, how does Auburn consistently move the ball against Georgia? I, I just don't see it. Who is who is Auburn's go-to receiver? You know, you didn't watch enough of the game. You know who their go-to receiver was for Saturday night? It was, I think his last name is Schenker. But don't worry about his last name. Worry about his number. Number 47, Tom. Number one. <laughs> my, he might be number one in your heart, but he's number 47 on the field. And if you put me up against a team where number 47 is their leading receiver, I like my chances to win. <laughs> so what happened to Tank Bigsby? The best running back. In the conference, I, I have said that preseason. I'm saying it right now, but where was he at? I didn't even look at his numbers, but it's like they never ran the ball to him. They gave um, the little fire plug, Shivers, they gave him some carries. And then that Marquez, Martez, I can't think of his last name, Hunter, maybe maybe his, maybe that is his last name. They got a freshman that was very lightly recruited. It's turned out to be, like, very good. I mean, it kind of sucks. Like, they always come up with a good running back, and this dude looks pretty good. But, like, Tank should have been the bell cow, and he really wasn't, you know, there. And Georgia is very impressive as a team. And I say that, I can't say offensively. I know what they did to UAB with Stetson Bennett the fourth, and they chunked four or five touchdown passes in that game. But that was UAB. They're playing Arkansas, and they didn't have to pass. They blocked a punt. They ran the ball down their throat. They had 72 yards passing. Now, I understand that 72 yards passing 15 years ago, you can win some ball games. But, man, you you come in with that weak sauce with Alabama. You come in with that weak sauce against Florida. I don't know that you can win with 72 yards passing. I think that – I think Georgia wins. I think they win handily. I think they cover. It's 14 and a half. Not going to bet it, but if I had to bet it, I would take Georgia. But they have to get 
more complete. Their defense is fine, special teams is fine, but they're going to have to get more complete on offense to to see for me to see them unseating Bama. Uh, I agree. I, I think I think there's not a lot for me to talk about after this because I think you hit on a lot of stuff that I was going to actually mention. Their offense has looked suspect, particularly against the competition that they've played. Uh, Arkansas, Clemson, those are, those are your one-two teams. And Clemson has has proven now beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, they fell out of the top 25 this week with a win. That's their second or third win by just six or seven points over unranked one-loss team. Or Boston College wasn't a one-loss team. But you, you know what I'm getting at. Subpar yeah, they're, they're teams. unimpressively. Unimpressively against subpar teams. So, Georgia does not have that chip in their purse yet for a team that is impressive <laughs> unless you want to consider Arkansas, which I, I think Arkansas is still a really good team. I, I happen to, to think that they were well overmatched on defense, which they were, because there's nothing to take. You cannot take anything away from Georgia's defense, at least in my opinion. I think they have have the most impressive defense I've seen in a long time. And those guys are killing it. And I mentioned that last week. I don't care who you're playing. If you're not giving up touchdowns to, to UAB or, or whatever, I mean, we give up two to Mercer. You, you have to have the the uh, the wherewithal to, to actually stay focused the entire game, even against uh, subpar competition, and they're doing it. And that defense, they're low in less than 180 yards per game. I see no weaknesses on the defense. But offensively, offensively, there's some question marks. And they may they may get JT Daniels back this week. I think they're going, they'll keep it under their hat to, to see whether or not he shows up or not. But this could be one of those games that's sort of a low-scoring affair. But I'm with you. I don't see Auburn scoring. Uh, not, not, a, not offensively a touchdown – if they get one touchdown, it'll be the first one Georgia's given up all year. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, it would surprise me that this offense would do it. I mean, this offense only managed one touchdown against Georgia State in the last minute of the game. Uh, very similar to, to LSU. They Would they get two touchdowns against LSU and, and the last one come in the last three minutes to win it? They got, they ended with twenty four points. I guess they got three. I don't I don't remember. It's kind of a blur. I I, I dozed off at one point, Tom. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. <laughs> Was this a sports podcast? <laughs> so so yeah, I, I I don't I don't think it's close. I do think that I thought the line would be bigger. And so it surprised me that it was a little lower. So Vegas may be thinking that it's going to be kept closer because of the lack of offense. So I don't know that I would get on board with the uh, with the spread there, but I have a low score and solid Georgia win. Yeah, I I just don't see. I looked at the the over under as well. I think it's it's I think it'll go under because and. Man, as bad as I hate it because Georgia is going to get to where they think their defense is invincible. But, you know, I got to thinking about that, too, on the on the other side of that coin. That might be good because remember in 2012 that Notre Dame had not allowed a touchdown run or t- a touchdown drive outside of like 45 or 55 yards. It's something ridiculous. 
and nobody had got a rushing touchdown against them since like week two. It's a bunch of different stats. And then what do we do? Open and drive. <laughs> we run right down their throats and just embarrass them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it could be, it might be good that Georgia has only allowed three or four touchdowns coming into the at the game in Atlanta because, you know, all of a sudden we throw three touchdowns on them in the first half. They'll be looking at each other like, hey, you know, what's going on? Maybe because we, we, Ultimately, we're going to have the mental edge over Georgia regardless of what happens this year. Can, you know, can we keep it? Who knows? That'll be, that's to be seen in December. But let's look at the game everybody tuned in for, and that's Bama versus A&M. You know, after Florida, if you remember on this very podcast, I said we would lose to Florida, but I said Bama's going to finish 11-1, and and our loss to Florida in week three is going to springboard us it's going to get our players used to the crowd noise. It's going to get our, our players used to playing on the road. It's going to allow us to win that A&M game. And luckily, we did not lose to Florida. But my goodness, when I made that statement, I, I figured this would be number one or two. Well, actually, if we'd lost to Florida, you know, let's just say we're number four. I don't figure this game would have been number four versus number seven, number eight. That it's worse. number one versus unranked. Mm-hmm. We're 17 and a half point favorites. Yep. And Jimbo has lost two in a row, about to be three in a row. There's very little chance. Gosh, I hate to say this because I don't want to jinx us. But what is their recipe for success against Alabama? Calzada is a a liability at quarterback. There's a reason he was second team. They cannot move the ball consistently. They're going to – they got a really good running back, Spiller. And, yeah, he's going to break – what heck, he might break two or three – I don't think he'll break two or three for touchdowns, but, you know, I could see him busting one for 60 yards or, or you know, between the 50 and 70-yard range and getting a touchdown. That's that's seven points. You know, what are we going to put up, put up? How many games in a row now have we put up at least 30? I, I mean, I can't remember the last game that we didn't put up 30. It probably was when we were in Auburn. Yeah, it was like uh, 20 games or something like yeah. that, I think. It's, it's so, a lot. Yeah, so, you know – yeah, if they score, let's let's say Spiller gets a touchdown. Let's say he gets two touchdowns and Calzada throws for one. How you still twenty one points is going to do nothing against this Alabama team. So I, I just don't see a path for them to beat us. Maybe they can play off emotion. The game is a it's a night game, correct? Six o'clock. All right, so we're back. I've had my my internet. I've been bragging on it so much, and we finally crapped out. So I think this is where I was talking about on the A&M and Alabama game. I don't see a pathway for A&M to beat us. I can see them getting some points, but not enough to beat us. You know, we just uh, we should be too good. And I think the last thing that I wrote down – I'm kind of stammering around trying to get to is I think Saban has got this team playing up to the standard. Now we're not worrying about the opponent. We're worrying about every play has a life of its own. How good can we perform in that play? Because every play stands is a standalone play ultimately. And if we do get that mentality, which I think we we've gotten to our offensive line looked a lot better this past week. I think that we can – I think the sky's the limit. So, I really expect us to win big. I'm thinking 49-17. I would love to see that. Uh, I'm not sure that we have that in us. The only reason I say that is 
A&M, even though they've lost two games in a row, I think their defense is still pretty good. They struggle mightily on offense, and, and, a, and a poor offense these days loses you a lot of games, and it makes your defense look worse than they are because they're not moving the ball, they're not keeping it, and you just got them on the field too much. But with all that being said, A&M's losses have not been because of their defense at all. They've lost to, again, a good Arkansas team, and then this past week versus Mississippi State, that was an anomaly game for sure, and it and it definitely shows you that they're not the caliber team that, that we thought they were. There's no, no mistake in that. But one of the things I noticed from last week's game for uh, Mississippi State and A&M, Mississippi State quarterback threw the ball 59 times, completed 46 of them, but he only threw for 6.9 yards per catch. And they only won the game by four. If you think a quarterback's 46 of 59 with over 400 yards, you're like, man, they must have run it up and down the field. They only scored 26, really 24, because one of those was a safety. So they scored 24 as an offense. And only won the game by four after those numbers. So that's that really is a lot of what I actually mentioned in the Ole Miss game, the recap, where Ole Miss was dinking and dunking it down the field in that first drive. And I'm like, you know, I don't think they could sustain it. Well, well Mississippi State sustained it because that's exactly how you get 46 of 59 for 400 yards and only 24 points. You're just taking small chunks where you can get them and you end up stringing some drives together. So – with all that being said, A&M definitely has a defense that's likely, I mean, it's likely the best defense we've seen all year, right? Yeah, probably so. I mean, you might count Florida, but I don't I don't know. I don't know if I would take Florida's defense over A&M. So, I expect us to have to work for it a little bit. Of course, the crowd's going to be crazy. I don't care if you lost two in a row. Bama's coming to town. The crowd's going to be in it. You're not going to miss out on that. So, I actually I actually expect a low-scoring game, much lower than what you, you said. Uh, I think the over-under is 51. I, I, I probably expect this thing to go under again. Uh, you know, something like a 31-17 to 17 game or something like that. Um, one of the things that I am a little miffed about, because this game was always circled on, on the calendar as a potential losable game for Alabama. And yeah, it looks better now, but did you think we'd be in a position where this game could end our streak of winning against unranked teams? No, I mean, that's the thing. (laughs) Them being unranked was not, I'm looking at their schedule right now. I mean, Kent State, Colorado, New Mexico, that's 3-0 and before they get to Arkansas, Mississippi State. At worst, you come out of Arkansas, Mississippi State at 4-1. and At 4-1, and you're considered the probably the third best team in the SEC, and you're ranked, what, 17, 15, yeah. 17, 18? So, yeah, that is and, and there big are no, disappointment. And there were no road games in that stretch you just said, except for uh, at Colorado. I guess Colorado yeah. was a neutral site game in Denver, but otherwise – one other neutral site game and, and all home games, and you're three and two. Yeah. So, 
that's a lot to be said for the offense. So I, I just, you know, all we have to do is is not turn the ball over. I mean, that's easy to say. You don't want to do that in any game. But you, you can't turn the ball over against teams who can play good defense and stay in the game and you give them momentum that they shouldn't have. So if you protect the ball and – all you got to do is play serviceable defense on Saturday against these guys, and and you can lock them. You can lock them down. I believe that. Uh, but this will be a test for our, our offense. It'll be a test for Bryce Young. It'll be another loud and crazy environment against a better defense than he's seen. And there were there were stretches. I mean, heck, we went three quarters in Florida without scoring, but what nine points or or whatever it was after yep. jumping up twenty one to nothing. So this is this may be a little bit of a redemption if he'll look at it that way. Of hey, I need to play better throughout in a hostile environment, and he's going to have that opportunity Saturday. And I th- I think they can do it. But again, I I, I feel like it's going to be a, a lower scoring game than than. Uh, then, then you do at least. I, I do think it'll go under. So you're inside the number and I'm outside the number. We'll see who wins that one. If you've listened to our bets, you know who to put your money on there. So let's recap what we had last week. I'll go quickly. I'm another 0-2. I had Utah <laughs> State at plus 8.5 against BYU. BYU won by 14. And I think I said – I said, this line should be, you know, 14 or so. And sure enough, I've got to quit trying to read too much into it. i got to find something I like, and i got to go with it. The other game I had was Notre Dame. I asked you, Tom, I said, who do you want to see lose? You said Notre Dame. I said, okay, I'll take Notre Dame on the money line, and they lost. And Notre, <laughs> Dame, plays, um, Notre Dame plays Virginia Tech this week. And, Tom, who would you like to lose that game? Uh, Notre Dame. Okay. Then my free pick is going to be Notre Dame money line. <laughs> my free pick is Notre Dame Money line. All right, recap uh, your bets. Did you go one and one or zero oh and two? I went two and zero. Oh no, again. you did not. Of course I did. This 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 thing is getting very easy for me. I'm five <laughs> and one in my last six. Really, they need to do something a little tougher in Vegas. I had the under in the Alabama game, which was a cakewalk. I thought you had Arkansas. I had under in Alabama cakewalk. I don't know where yeah. you get Arkansas. I didn't play Arkansas. And my other game was also a snooze fest because I had Georgia over Arkansas. You did. I had, you yeah, did. I had Georgia in that game. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I made the point that I didn't think Arkansas could score. I think I predicted 31-6 to six was my final prediction on that one. And uh, they went 37-0 to zip. So I was close on both. But yeah, I'm killing it. I don't you know what it. I don't well, know what podcast you're listening to, pal. Since you since you've been killing it, I'm going first this week and I'm going to go with gut feel. So game 1, I've got the Red River Showdown. I've got Texas plus three and a half. Wrong team is favored here. Oklahoma has showed me nothing. Of course, Texas did show me get their butts kicked by Arkansas, but still they hung 70 on Texas Tech. I've got Texas plus three and a half. Wrong team favorite. If you want to win extra money, go the money line route, but take the plus three and a half for sure. I like that. I was going to go for my first game. This is not going to be my first game, but I was going to go Iowa minus the two over Penn State. Basically, all Iowa's got to do is win the game for the most part. And I made this point, what, two or three weeks ago that this was going to be when we – I guess it was two weeks ago when we were predicting who we thought was going to get in the playoff – I predicted this game would be the game that that got that Big Ten participant into the title game and potentially a playoff spot. 
And I also said I think Iowa's a much better team than Penn State, a much better team. And I think they are. I think they really get that. But I'm, I'm not going for that play because we can only do two, and I feel like I'm killing it in the SEC. So for my first one, I'm going to go under in the Georgia-Auburn game again. Uh, I don't think Auburn can score. I just mentioned I think Georgia's offense is a little suspect. This over-under is only 46, so it's a little scary for you over-betters, but trust me on this one. Go under this one. I could see a 20-6 to game, a 27-3 to game, something. This thing is probably 15 points too high in over-under, really. <laughs> I like that. I like 27-3. I can wake up on Sunday morning happy with a 27-3 Auburn loss to Georgia. <laughs> or, or do you want to take Iowa? Because I've got Iowa down, but I've got another game. So, if you want to take Iowa for your No, no. Game, I'm, staying, I'm staying completely in the SEC. Okay. I'm going to go Iowa minus 2.5 Penn State. And uh, my, my other pick I had written down was Michigan State minus 5 at Rutgers. I don't know why Rutgers is getting so much love. They were 15-point dogs to Ohio State. And I told Daryl before the game – I'm like, I'm not going to bet it, but I love Ohio State. And they trounced them. So, I'm going to go Iowa, two and a half, Penn State. All right. For my, my second game, I'm going to go back to the tried and true that I'd mentioned previously a couple weeks ago is that – and this is when North Carolina State upset Clemson. I'm like, some of these teams are still getting respect that they don't deserve because of name recognition. And one of those is going to be LSU. Kentucky's got way the better team than LSU. Kentucky just beat Florida by no fluke. That was not a fluke game. Kentucky played hard-nosed defense. They they did what they needed to offensively. And Florida's got a pretty good defense overall. So Kentucky is just a better team. They're at home. They're only giving up three. They should probably be given seven to ten because I think they they take LSU behind the woodshed. I, I don't think it's close. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd like. And that they're too. all upset down there anyway. There, he Ozron's probably coaching for his life, and we know he can't coach as well with wet paper back. So yeah, this is, is a lot of pressure for him. He is definitely he's taken the Gene Chizik route of a season two after your national title game. They're gonna look. They're gonna look to fire him. With the Title IX allegations, they're going to let those go ahead and play out and let them stick, and they'll fire him with calls so they won't owe him any of the any of the buyout money. So there's our bets under Auburn and Georgia, the Texas plus three and a half. Kentucky, I got them at minus three and a half. Is that what you have? I had them at a pick them. Uh, it's not a, it's not a pick <laughs> them, buddy. And then Iowa minus two and a half. We'll see. We'll see what the line closes. By the hook, time. I, I had them at three, so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you to buy the hook. All right. Well, I, I've got three. I tell you what, you can buy the hook and still take Kentucky, and you'll and you'll win. All right. So that that wraps us up for this week. Uh, remember, Bama plays at Texas A&M. We'll get a lot of our listeners going. I'm sure. Now, if you're going to Texas and you've booked an Airbnb, and I've, I assume everybody knows what an Airbnb is, it's an actual house or apartment or condo that you stay in that is owned by someone else. It's not a hotel property. So if you're in an Airbnb, don't eat your neighbor's garbage without their permission. Because if you do, you'll be facing jail time for trespassing and property theft. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. That just only applies to Airbnbs? Like well, you can I mean, eat your I... neighbor's trash if you're like permanent neighbors? Well, no, nah, Tom. I was just trying to be add a little levity to the program. <laughs> thank you for calling me out on that. So let's let, let me get you know let me get out of here. I got to go pick up my daughter. She's got to come over and deal with the puppies. So Tom, if you're gonna hate Auburn, you got to hate early and you got to hate often. Roll Tide. 
Roll Tide, guys. Take it easy. Great.